0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our little green pasture. I'm so glad to be back today. I've got some sweet things to share with you about sowing and reaping. And I'm talking directly about one thing, because there's so many things that we could sow, whether it's good or bad, and that can be a whole other huge lesson. But that's not why I'm here today. I feel very strongly in my heart. Only because of what I have received over the last couple of days, just waiting on the Lord, sitting at his feet, being still before him, listening, watching and waiting. You know, I love that scripture in Proverbs eight thirty six, where it says, blessed is the man who heareth me, watching at my gates waiting at the post of my doors for whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. And so today I want to talk with you about, uh, sowing and reaping in regards of prayer for people, uh, sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of our salvation. And, you know, I'll tell you, the older I get, the clearer things are to me. And there's always such a, a real blessing. I know it says, he that put his hands to the plow and looking back is not fit for the service of the kingdom of God. But there are times that it is wise to look back and to see where we've come from and so much wisdom gained, especially in handling the word of life. And so... Before I get started, I am going to pray and I'm going to commit this time into the hands of Jesus Christ, the one whom I live for, the one whom I love, the one you love. Father in heaven, it is with great joy and blessing that I present myself to you, that Lord, I bow myself before you. Yes, I may be seated upwards or in a chair, but spiritually I bow low before you. And I give way to your Holy Spirit. I ask you to show yourself to those that are looking for you. That the blessing of those that hear you will be those that are wanting to hear you. Therefore, Lord, open up their ears to hear you today. I know many hearts are discouraged, Lord, when it comes to them wanting to lead their family members or a certain individual to Christ. And Lord, maybe their hearts have been heavy and they're discouraged, Lord, over setbacks and delays and and maybe they're even tired, Lord. So I ask you to lead me, to touch me. Yes, I have my notes. Yes, I have the scriptures, Jesus, but I lay everything down. I lay it all down at your feet and I open myself up to you, Lord, as your vessel that you would flow through and that lord you would fill this entire message with the aroma of your presence and let them hear your voice lord let them hear your voice and in this thing in these things lord i commit unto you in jesus name you know the other morning i woke up As usual, early in the morning, getting ready to get myself out of bed and go out, you know, rising a great while before day and going out into the solitary place and there to pray. And as I was laying there, I started to think about certain people I've been praying for, for a very long time. And all of a sudden there was a flash of anger that came or frustration rather, maybe kind of a little anger where I just thought, oh, I've been praying all these years. And I mean, of course, I'm not going to stop. Nothing's going to stop me. My emotions, my feelings aren't going to stop me because I know not to ever give up. I'm not going to fill up the full measure of prayer unto Christ. I'm going to ever live to pray. I'm not going to ever cease to pray, but I'm very human at times, you know? And so I laid there and immediately I felt the Lord saying to me in my heart, why are you mad? Why are you mad? I'm not mad. He said, I have long suffering. I have long suffering. I'm patient. And so should you be. And so I got out of bed and as I sat out there in the dark and I was preparing my heart to pray, I heard these words from James chapter 5, uh, verse 8. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. And I heard those words in my spirit. Yes, I read them. I have them memorized, but I wanted to make sure I said every word right. And those words came in and I knew it was the Lord. I knew he was speaking to me about patience and how long suffering, long patience, it says. "Is It says it waits until it receives. It waits until it receives. It says he waits until he, you know, says the husbandman. He's talking about earthly farmers. That's an an old English way of saying farmer. And farmers know best about weather, about soil, about seasons, about all the environment. And they're patient. They can't make it rain. They can't do anything except pray and hope. If they're not believers, they just get really good at farmers, almanacs and things like that. But if they're believers, they know that the Lord that gave them that seed to plant in that soil that belongs to the Lord is the one that's going to send the rain upon the soil when it needs it in the early times and at harvest time in the latter rain and so as time gets closer to the harvest there is that need of patience because that water is going to fill all those plants and make them full and and fat for when they're cut down and harvested they're ready to go so i was sitting in there and i was ruminating on those words be patient, therefore. And he talks about how the the, husband wait, the husbandman, the farmer, waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and, and he has long patience for it. And I kept hearing that, long patience, long suffering in my heart. And I thought back about all the years when I first was a child coming to the Lord, a very young girl, and, and how long patience Christ had with me. And how I tried to even hurry things up in my learning years and trying to speed things up and rush things. It doesn't work like that. And so I'm going to read the rest of this, this, uh, these verses till verse 11. It says, be ye also patient. So now there, Paul is telling us, you need to be patient too. And establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. We behold, we count them happy that endure. You have heard of the patience of job and have seen the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And so we see here how many times the word patience, long patience, um, us also being patient. Um, there's like five to- four or five times, I think it's four, five times the word patience, is mentioned in here and i love how it says establish establish your hearts in that you know jesus says we can't make anything happen nothing can be done outside of what god can only do so i want to focus on our getting maybe frustrated we don't see any changes but this so spoke to me Maybe it just will speak to me only and no one else, but I'm praying this will speak to you because we know that the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. He says that establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draws nigh and grudge not one against another. And the Lord doesn't want us to be our hearts to get cold and to start grudging against one another about those that we are hoping will come to the saving knowledge of God's grace to hear from the Lord with their own ears and to come from him. You know, obviously as the next day rolled on and I was thinking about the patience of the Lord and already it was a working in progress in me because all of my um, frustration, all of that left me because I saw that all power belongs to God and that me as a kind of husbandman, a praying husbandman, a praying farmer. That's what we are with the word of life. And I thought about, of course, you know, the parable of the sowers. And it says in Mark four, one through nine, and he began again to teach by the seaside and there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit and other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and it increased and brought forth some 30, some 60 and a hundred. And he said unto them, he that hath ears, to hear, let him hear. And he says, furthermore in this gospel mark's gospel he says if ye do not understand this parable how is it that ye will understand all parables and that's the first parable he spoke so he's setting it up even for us later in these latter days for us to understand the principle really of sowing and that we have to have patience that we have to have that long suffering. And so I was thinking about another verse this morning in um, Psalm 31, 17 through 21. And this verse has always been very special to me. And obviously, you know, I call this Joni Stahl's field notes. And even long before there was any thought of a YouTube channel or field notes, I always grabbed onto that verse where it says, she considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands, she planteth a vineyard. And I've always grabbed onto that because I thought, you know, the whole picture is supposed to be the picture of the church. Okay, the body of Christ. And I say to myself, you know what? This establishes the fact that if we are truly been made alive, regenerated in Jesus Christ, then we're going to be always wanting to be employed in doing things for the Lord and being involved. And that is whatever your lot is in life, but everything is always in the Lord, always toward the Lord. And that is being a true worker. You know, there's, you know, some people, they pray, Lord, I want to be a full-time worker. You already are. The moment you were born again and made new, you've been, you've been full-time. If you are truly walking in the Lord and spending time in his word, and knowing what is the will of the Lord and what he wants for you and sensitizing your ears, the Holy spirit sensitizing your ears and sensitizing your heart, because that is how you grow up in the Lord. And there comes a point where we have to consider a field. Now you have a field. I mean, the field notes are this. Yes, but I have a home. I have a life. Like Jackie Pullinger said, You know, when anybody comes to me and says, "Um, do you have a ministry? She said, I don't have a ministry. I have a life. That to me was so profound because I thought I don't have to wait to be given permission to do anything. I didn't have to run anything by anybody. Neither do you. You're alive, aren't you? And then you made doubly alive because you've been born again. And now you have the life of Jesus Christ and the father by virtue of the Holy spirit living within you. Let him live, let him come out, let him him express himself through your life. You see, this whole thing about sewing is not just another, a textbook uh, education series. This is about living our living God living inside of you, but there's things he wants us to understand And grow up into because it, you know, the, what I've been thinking about lately is what, how much of a great failure postmodern Christianity has become and is. And I had spoken a while back about regeneration, about conversion, not being regeneration. And you can go back and listen to that, but that has a lot to do. And I think that not, I think what I see, um, and I've been a Christian for 45 years now. And what I have just observed and even gone through my own self and experienced on my own gives me a platform and gives you a platform to talk about what you have seen, what you have experienced. You're alive. And everybody has been just uh, taught a certain way. You go here, you hear a message, you raise your hand you do this. Now you go here, you sit there. And then that is the epitome of the whole Christian life. And it's not, there's a lot of converted people, meaning they have been turned. They've been they've seen the light, but there's no growth in them. There's no evidence. There's no spiritual maturity. There is nothing. They don't pray. They don't have a hunger to pray, but they want everybody to pray for them. They don't ever read their Bibles for a myriad of reasons, even though they know they can hear it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or if they hear it, it goes through one ear and out the other because they're not alive. Because when you are dead, like I remember one day and I'm going to inject this in here and I want to go on, but I just want to flow freely. Okay. I remember one day I was sweeping my floor in my kitchen. This was several years ago and I started to get hungry and as I was getting hungry, all of a sudden I got this image in my mind of no, I I, I heard I heard within me, I heard the, these words. Um, if you were dead, would you be hungry? And I thought, of course not. And I had just ca- kind of got this image, probably of my own self, I don't know, of a dead body, and I just saw like a dead body. In my sight. And I felt that voice, heard that voice say, Is that person hungry? And I was like, No, of course not, because they're dead. And I heard the Lord say to me, See, your body, you're alive, and your physical body is telling you you are hungry. And it tells you you are hungry. You don't have to think about eating. It told you you're hungry, so you go and you're going to feed yourself because your body is alive. Same is it with your spirit. If you are spiritually dead, like that body you just saw, would your spirit be hungry? And I said no. And he says it's the same thing with the physical body. If the physical body is dead, it no longer will is hungry. It's dead. It's the same thing with the spiritual body. If you're spiritually made alive, you're always hungry, just the same as your physical body is hungry. And I remember that. I remember hearing that. I never forgot it. So there, so there's not a hunger. There's just procedure. There's just, um, um, you do this, you do that, you do this and that. Oh, sure, I know that there's many alive people in different churches, but I'm saying overall, it's a failure. And so all these people have never, ever, ever walked alone, went to the Lord on their own. They never arose a great while before a day going out into a solitary place of their prey. And so I'm not going to keep going on about this. And this is not me being negative and standing on some pinnacle. I'm not doing that. I'm talking observationally. And, you know, I think about something, you know, I love what it says here in 1 John Um. It says in 1 John, it says, okay, well, went a little bit too far. It says here, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto you. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. But the first thing is hearing. You have to hear and then you and then you you have to be made to see you you have to be made alive in the spirit and so this has not happened and so the vast majority of christendom they think that listening to an you know look at it overhead verses on a drop down screen and hearing a couple of verses spoken about that that is knowing the Lord, but no, God is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. There's an empty tomb. There's a very real person that you can talk to just like I'm talking to you right now. And so back to what I'm saying about, about considering a field and buying it. And with the fruit of my hands, I've planted a vineyard. You have to consider a field. If you're truly alive in the Lord, like Spurgeon said, if you are true, if you are born again, then you are going to want others to be born again there is a flow that comes out of it and so but i want to talk about um the fact a few more things because it says she girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms she perceives that her merchandise is good her candle goes not out by night she layeth her hand to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. Now, I don't want to get into all the details because I can really take that apart and unpack that. But I want you to just see she's always employed. And this is spiritual. Okay, there's something, there's another life, another source inside of you that's living, breathing, moving, a source greater than yourself. I don't care who you are, what family you've been born to, who you are married to, what part of the county you live in, what you do for a living. What, what, whatever, whatever nationality you are, you're of the household of faith. And there's something in you that says, you know what? I'm. You consider a field. Notice, I even spoke about this the other day in Psalm verses 8. David said in verse 3, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy hands, the moon and the stars that thou hast created, what is man that thou, thou art mindful of him? See, when you consider a field, there comes a point in your maturity even maybe in your youth, even, I'm not going to even make it just for when you get old, but there's something, right? You consider a field, but it becomes your field. You have a field. Maybe you're not aware of it right now, but where you live is your field. You don't have to wait. You don't have to go to a school. You don't have to sit in a seminary, whether it be a two year, a four year, a six year, because when it comes down to it, you're a husbandman, you're a farmer. And everything you're doing, you are speaking either by the actions that you're living, living, you know, in your life around everybody, and by your responses, by the way you take things, and everything. Yes, there's a, there's always learning curves, but I'm talking about praying for people. It's not always about um, talking to them about the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. There, you know look there is so much that has to first be done before there is a rooted faith we we're, we're always trying we're always see the thing is we get so like I keep sharing the Lord I keep you know this and that you know in into this and that there's so many different things people are doing to try to get their loved one loved ones friend whoever to come to the Lord or a neighbor. And you notice the more any of us have done that, the more we've shoved them away, the more they're like, please, I think that is why the majority of the people don't want to come to Christ because we're always trying to shove it down their throats. And then we're not living before them. We're not being lights that shine, that just let our light shine. It's a spiritual light. They're seeing something different in us. Look, they don't want to hear it anymore from us those that have been around us as soon as notice as soon as you say i'm a christian people are like goodbye because it's been so ruined but christ is not ruined and everything that christ is is as powerful as beautiful and pure and eternal as it ever has been but you know what handled what happened we mishandled the word of life so let me go on. You know, we talked about a field and sowing. You know, the stones have to be cleared out of a field before the seed has much chance. And this takes time. You can't shovel stones. You have to pick them out one by one, right? We want everything to be happening fast. Okay, you know, there's no there's no machinery that we plow over a field and it's a stone gatherer and everything's done. You know, the idea is not to nurse people like a lot of churches do, I'm not saying it's your church, okay? Understand that. But a lot of churches do, and I feel I feel free to, freedom to say it, because I've been at a lot of churches where I went even to church a certain church for years, and the people never grew, and the people that I grew up within that church knew nothing more than the than the whatever the sermon was last week, and there was just it was just it was just barren. There was no living waters. So there, there has to be, when you see a field, see your family as a field, see that one person's life as a field, see your very life standing in the middle of a field. That's your field. And so you have to start slow. You look, they already know what you're about. They've already heard it all along. They don't want to hear it no more. Okay, so live among them, just like wives. First Peter chapter three, that if any, a wife has an unbelieving husband, he can be won over by, without a word, by her chaste life, her committed life before him in the Lord. He knows she's a believer. Everybody knows you're a believer. Everybody knows I'm a believer. And a lot of times there's pride in families and in friends. They don't want to see they're, they're lost. So they don't want to admit you're right because there's a pride in them that goes, yeah, if I accept anything, she's saying, uh, because there's a fight, there's a spiritual fight in them. They don't want to come to the Lord because they're, 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 they're in a different kingdom. And so there's a fight within them. And a lot of times they have resentment to the person who's trying to tell them about the Lord and share things about the Lord, even if it has nothing to do with them. You're not even. Haven't you ever had that experience where you're trying to say something, but you're not even talking about them coming to the Lord. You're like, I was so grateful for what God did for me in this certain matter. And they're like warded off by it. You know, look at the damage that has been done. I believe God has his true people, but I believe that by the time I'm done with this, I'm hoping and believing that by the time I'm done with this, this little loaf of bread I'm giving you and some living water, that you will take it and you will go on having long patience because long patience is rooted in the love of God in in his own heart. So... You know, the idea is not to nurse people, but to lead them to our strong Lord, to the way of walking on their own, to listen for himself. You know, we read about the first sower, sower, right? The sower that went out to sow. It says, the birds, the fowls of the air came and devoured up all the seeds, right? Well, we know who that is. That's the enemy. Jesus goes on later on in that chapter and says, the field is the world. The seed is the word. And the and the crows, the crows are Satan. That as soon as the word is sown into their hearts and they understand it, he comes immediately. And he takes out the takes away that seed, lest they should believe. You know. Um, so don't fear to sow because of the birds. In other words, the Lord is saying to you, look, he's showing you Satan's kingdom right there. The first thing He's so don't fear to sow among the birds, his birds. Don't fear to sow among him like, well, you know, what's the use, right? Because the birds of the earth are, are, are there everywhere. The enemy is there everywhere, no matter what. So don't stop sowing. And I'm going to get into the sowing, about the sowing, because you're like, okay, so then what do we do? Just stay with me. You know, so so often we do sow on the rocky ground and among thorns and by the wayside, and we feel like we waste the good seed, right? Because we read about all these, you know, it's called like a certain scholar that I really love. He calls this the foreground hearer's parable. And, you know, really one out of all four have the good soil. But I was seeing something else in it about people that hear, right? Some hear all the other three, they hear, right? But look at, there's a quick end result. They, it doesn't last. There's nothing that lasts in them. And you know, the more and more, the the older, the older I get, the more and more that I, I want to sow with discretion. When before I'm just throwing it all out there, the seed, right? I'm throwing it all out there, hoping it will land on somebody. But I don't want to I don't want to share the gospel like that. I don't want to share Jesus like that. I and mean, we also know about don't cast your pearls before the swine lest they trample upon them and tear and rend you to pieces. Don't cast what is holy into dogs. The same thing, you know? And the older I get, the more I'm more reserved with the word of God. How I handle the word of life, you know, so the more and more I want to, so I want to be led of the spirit of the living God so that I will sow beside all waters. You know, there's a scripture in Isaiah 32 20. It says, blessed are ye that sow beside all waters. Hear that? Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters, that send forth thither the feet of the ox and the ass. You know, I want to. I want to be so. Le- I want. I want spiritual instinct by the Holy Spirit. You, do you understand what I'm saying to you today? See, I think that we got it all wrong. We have these big, you know. um you know, evangelical outreaches where 20,000 people are in a stadium, mega churches, even in small churches. And so there's always this big throwing seeds out everywhere. And maybe that doesn't make sense to you, but it makes sense to me and I see something different. I want to be sensitive. Yes, there's churches. Yes, there's groups and everything. And maybe in that way, we can look at it and say, yes, but if you're in a big group, then obviously we have to cast all the sea, the, the word out, and hope it lands on good soil. I don't just want to hope it lands on good soil. I want, even in a group of people, I believe this, and I'm going to narrow this down. If a person is a good teacher and a good sharer of the word of God, shining his light on everybody, he has really he or she has excellent discernment because you see the word is so precious that everything is going to be watered first. That field will be watered first by God in prayer. Before I even step here with you, I say, Oh Lord, I pray that you prepare that ground that you go before me in it. Look, he's the husbandman. So, you know, I want to know God's mind about people so that I feel a spiritual instinct about when I'm there. That I can change it up at any point. Because a diff, a, even if it's the same people that meet every week, you have no idea what his mind is. You got to know what his mind is. You know, as Jesus says, <clears throat> you hear the wind, li- This says the wind listeth. John 3, 8. You hear the wind listeth. Remember, there's a hearing. You, it says, it says, no, it says the the wind listeth where it will. You hear the sound thereof. You know, I think about Ahab when he ran up to the top of Carmel and he put his face between his knees. And he told his servant, "Go go and tell me what you see. He said, I see nothing. He said, go again. And he went again seven times bowing himself and he came back. He said, what did you see? He said, I saw the cloud, the size of a man's hand. And then Elijah said, I hear the abundance of rain. You see, we have to position ourselves that just going out and saying, thus saith the Lord and Jesus wants you to get saved and he loves you and this and that. Can he use that? Yeah, I guess he can use that if that's what he wants to use. I'm not saying I'm not speaking on behalf of God. I'm speaking from experience. We got to have spiritual instinct. We got to know what part of this great message that they need. It may be nothing. You may be preparing a lesson today to give this weekend, and it's nothing God wants you to speak about. He has another plan. You have to give yourself away to the Lord. You have to give yourself away to the husband. You have to empty yourself of what you think they want to hear. You know, there's so many times I have sat here and I have like, I've shut the lid of my little laptop here. And I've said, I'm going with the Lord. Because you know why? I heard the abundance of rain. I asked the Lord before I even showed up, Lord, you see my messages, but what do you want? Let me hear the sound of your wind. Let me, let me be born because I'm born of your spirit. You know, we often make the mistake of trying to press people to accept Jesus before they've really been convicted and awakened to feel their need of a savior or pressing them on to blessings. They're not ready for like the fullness of the spirit before they even know about cleansing or sanctification. We're like, do you want to get saved? Do you want Jesus Christ to come into your heart? Repeat after me, say these words. I'm going to share a dream again for like, I've shared it before many times, but it's such a poignant picture. I know a church and there was a church I had attended for a little while. And, and this, the pastor always kept everybody so in a baby world and they never grew they didn't ever grow and i went there long enough to observe it okay and i had wound up moving away i you know left the church and i moved away and i liked the pastor and his wife i mean it had nothing to do i mean this is not about anything i'm just talking about what i observed okay because i don't i want to be careful to not say anything negative about them because they are my brother and sister and i love them very much so I want to say that because I don't want to be like, Oh, what I saw and this and that, that's not who I am. That's not what I ever want to be. So um, I had a dream about that church and I saw myself coming to the back of the church. Here's a back door. And so I opened it up and I was standing behind, there's all these rows of seats and there's an aisle right down the middle and down at the end up at the front of the church was the pastor standing behind a pulpit and he was talking And I looked and I didn't see any people in any of the chairs. Instead, I saw clay pots. Every chair had a clay pot. And in every chair was a plant. And I walked up and I thought, what? Like it didn't, it was so weird, you know. And I saw that every plant looked weak. You know when a plant looks weak? Like maybe just like it's yellowish or just light green and icky looking sickly. And I saw that every single plant looked like that. And I understood and knew that those little plants, they needed to be taken out of their pots and planted in the good soil where God could send forth those showers and let them grow. See, it's look, see, we think we do all the saving, right? Like I'm going to bring them to the Lord. I'm going to do all this, this, all these things. But listen, it's God who saves, it's us that it's us that disciple them. So, let's go back to the sowing picture. It's because it's as if we try to sow the word of God before the ground has been broken up by the plowshare and we try to sow the ground before it's been broken up and weeded and watered. Are you seeing the picture? Do you see why now the Lord was saying, "Why are you so mad?" Why are you so mad? I'm not mad. Be patient, therefore, to the coming of the Lord. For the husbandman hath, m- hath patience. It says long patience. for the. It says for the fruit of the earth, he hath long patience for it. Like, why are you getting upset? I know them. I know what they need. You need to know what I know, what they need. Have long patience for them. Because it's rooted in the heart of our father in heaven for them. He wants them saved. So we have no business grudging against them. We have no business getting mad about it. We need to repent of that. We need to ask Jesus, forgive us, God. Jesus, you said in John chapter 15, I I am the uh, vine. And my father is a husbandman. He's He's the gardener. You know what we need to do? We need to pray that God, by his Holy Spirit's power, will visit our fields. That where he means to send us or the field that we considered and purchased. We need to pray and pray for prepared ground. Let me repeat that. We need to pray and pray even more for the ground to be prepared. See, the the ground of the hearers, we're not prepared. Those those other three ground hearers, yes, others might be saying, that's not what it means, Joan. I'm sure that there's multiple meanings for that because I can give a multiple meaning on that. But for this particular meaning, I'm looking at the other ground hearers, okay? They heard the word, but there was nothing prepared for them. Their hearts were prepared. They had stony hearts. They had the cares of this world. The, the enemy was quick in their life to take what was sown into them See, we need to prepare the hearers. And there's a preparation that must come from above. It has to come from from above. It's all spiritual work. And, you know, I was thinking about what it said in 6510. You know, this is such a prayer for you to pray. It says he waters the ridges thereof abundantly. He settlest fast the furrows. He makes it soft with shower. See, he softens, he softens the ground. I know I've done all kinds of gardening and here in California, it's all clay, all hard packed clay. And sometimes it takes, sometimes it can be expensive. I don't do it anymore. I live in an apartment, but I remember like my, my goodness, I keep watering and watering and churning and churning, and I'm trying to mulch it and I'm turning it and turning it and still I'm, nothing's growing. And the preparation of the soil here in California is crazy. But you know what? I saw that it was worth it because I wanted to plant things and watch them grow. I enjoyed watering it. I enjoyed weeding it. I enjoyed pulling little stones out of it. I enjoyed sticking my hands in the soil and going like this until there was, if I felt anything, I'd pull it out. This is how we prepare them. This is how God prepares our hearts. He begins to break up the foul Fallow ground in our hearts. He waters it and waters it and waters it until now it's being absorbed and being absorbed by the rivers of living water coming in to prepare the soil of our hearts because those foreground hearers all have soil. The heart is the soil. You know, look, I, I talked about delays. I want to talk about those delays because some of us have said, man, I've prayed forever. But you know what? I believe that what we call delays or holdups or even setbacks are meant for divine preparation of the ground. Do you ever think of that? Think about it. It's divine preparation. You know, and here I was getting all frustrated, like, my gosh, you know, I mean, that person in in the family is still upset, whatever. And the Lord was like, what are you getting upset about? I'm not upset. You know, seeds sown on rock or sun-baked clay doesn't—it doesn't usually take root. And much of our ground is naturally just rock and clay, as hard as rock. And you know, God never tells us to sow on rock. Never. Ever. You know, there has to be something done in the soul of people before they're ready to listen. And we need to learn to use delays and disappointments for the kind of prayer that calls for showers of God to visit the earth, to visit our field. You know, when I look back, which I often do, I cannot help noticing now that I'm older, the quietness of God's working. He seems to work in souls the same as he works in seeds. He does it slowly. He does it imperceptibly and powerfully. And there's no amount of urging or pushing that will work. Notice that? Mm -mm. And the longing to win Christ is born only from above. Only. Let me just say this again. God seems to work in souls the same as he does with the seeds that we have planted didn't you have long patience for it i did oh i was excited i remember i had this flower patch once and i was had all the soil ready every day i'd go out and look for any sign of a little tiny thing of green and there was such joy when i did there was such joy to see one here and one there and they all like little babies were coming up and and then i'd water them and every now and then i'd fertilize it and I was always out there meticulously weeding and weeding because I didn't want to see, this is how we disciple. This is how, and if we're not discipling, this is how we're living among them and we're doing it in the way we live before them. If they're not ready to hear then they, they have people have to be, they have to be ready to, uh, they, they, they have to be ready to, they have to be prepared To hear it. I think you know what I mean. There has to be something done in their soul before they're ready to listen. Do you hear that? See, that's why people are like, please, I'm done hearing you. I don't want to hear any more about the Lord. I think we do more damage than good. You know, another thing is pray that you don't get discouraged. Discouragement really does cut the nerve of love. Notice that when you get discouraged, look at me laying in my bed, all like, what's up with that? Why, you know, getting all mad. Did I feel love in that moment? Absolutely not. I felt discouraged. I felt frustrated and I felt mad, but that was nipped in the bud, if you will, no pun intended. And God dealt with that. You know, Satan wants us to think that souls can't be won. He, you know, anything to make us give up, trying to win for win them and pray that you never lose heart because the battle is the Lord's and the power and the glory are his no matter how things look. And God always gets the last word. You know, let me just say this to you. You continue to pray over your field. Be like that woman. Consider a field and buy it then. You know, it also says, buy the truth and sell it not. Listen, God's own word is alive. You realize that it's living, not because I've done anything, not because you've done anything. If I died, if you died, you think the word of God is going to be diminished? No way. That word of God lives and stands forever. It is eternal. And everything that you have done in the presence of your family that will not listen to you, they if they do not come to Jesus Christ and they stand on the day of judgment at the great white throne, there, the way you lived, you were a letter. You were a letter written. The letter of God was written in your heart, and you were a written letter. They were reading your life. They were reading the word in your life. Because when Christ it comes alive inside of you, and the Holy Spirit comes alive inside of you, that means you're now you're full of light, and now you have the Holy Spirit, and he, He's alive. And so when you're living or working or in your neighborhood and all the birds of those air, the enemy is all over the place. It doesn't matter. You know, you could be walking by someone's house in your daily walk. Maybe it's a person you've seen every day doing whatever it is. And you're like, Lord, I don't know what it is about that person, but amen. And you can be doing it silently. Lord, bless that person. Open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. Lord, lead them into your light. Impart your light upon them, Jesus. Save them. Save them for your name's sake. Save them, Lord. Pray Psalm 65. Pray that Psalm 65. Because that whole Psalm is such a wonderful, wonderful prayer for the sower. It's so beautiful. And you can pray it like this. Lord, you visit the earth and you water it and greatly enricheth, richest it with the river of God, which is full of water. You prepare them corn when you have so provided for it. You water the ridges thereof abundantly. You settle fast the furrows of it. You make it soft with showers. And you bless the springing thereof. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths. Drop fatness. The paths I choose to walk in. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with corn. They shout for joy. They also sing. And right now I just get such this picture of heaven. And I say, you know what? I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to be grudging. I'm going to be patient for the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. I'm going to have long patience, which is rooted in love. Have long patience, which is rooted in the love of the heart of our father. Because he has long patience for them. And you know what? God wants you to love them because we are commanded to love the Lord. And we're commanded not just to have some private, intimate love with Christ, But our whole life must be a full round expression of the love of Jesus Christ. Because I am convinced of this, that whatever you will have done in your life, in the spirit of God's love will enter into your eternal life. Never do anything grudgingly. You know, it says not grudgingly talking about giving. That means give your life away. Give your life away. Whatever you're doing, give it away. Give the love of God away. Show everybody who you love in word and in deed and in power, all to the merit of the name of Jesus Christ. And the sun of glory will shine upon you. You'll never, ever be sorry for it. You'll only stand to grow and get stronger and stronger. You will never, ever lose out. You'll never walk in paths of darkness, but always in paths of light for his name's sake. You'll always have a walk with Jesus Christ. He will always contend for you and he will always, always answer your prayers for the, he will answer your prayers. He's, you know, look, the Lord is not slack concerning. um, He's not slack. He's he, he knows how to save. He's the savior, but pray. See all of our failure is because we have taken over with procedure Now there's all this. This is the way you do it. If you go here and you say this and you do it this way and and, and you just lead them to Christ and and then you have them do this and that. It's like, that's not how it works. You know what? People will come to Christ mostly because of watching your life. Paul, the apostle attests to that for many, many ways, because this generation, they don't want to hear about the Lord. Because it got ruined. But there are many that do. Let your light so shine. Okay. Live. You're already. You're already in heaven. You are. You are already in heaven. You're raised and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're already there. You're just doing your work in the field. That you've considered. And purchased. And with the fruit of your hands. You've planted a vineyard. Consider a field and buy it today. And from now on, pray for spiritual instinct to not just cast everything around. Be more sensitive for God's heart and mind. Because typically, it's usually very simple. It's one-on-one. And that's where God works. That's how Jesus always did it. Let him use you that way and watch him work. And watch the living waters flow through you. Because remember, you can only lead people to the Lord, but it's him that saves. It's him that saves. Do everything. Greatly asking for the showers to greatly enrich your field where you're praying. And you will see those little green shoots. Amen. All right. Be a sower that goes forth to sow in your field. God bless you.